Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome. My name is Annette Perel. I'm a proud Afro-Latina of Panamanian descent and a doula for over 17 years and mom of a son. I created this podcast to help connect people to other Black, Latino, and Indigenous people in the birth field. I also want my listeners to hear birth stories directly from the parents who experience them. Welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. We did a meditation together. <laughs> And in it, I asked for all of the faucets of blessings that I had turned off, if I could turn them back on. And and when I came out, I could just do things. I could touch like this table that I'm sitting at and I would be able to experience things from the tree's life. I'd be able to know things about the last person that touched the table. I could eat food and know things about the person who prepared it. It was just really intense. I know I say this every episode, but I'm really thrilled to interview Dr. Jale Boyd-Phillips. Dr. Jale Boyd-Phillips is a sociologist, slavery scholar, mystic, intuitive healer, and the host of the Hot and Steamy podcast. I heard her speak at a women's conference a few months ago on women's health and vaginal steaming. There's so much misinformation about vaginal steaming. I think you will enjoy this episode in hearing about the history and the health benefits. Let's start the show. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Jale Boyd-Phillips. Like Zsa Zsa. Okay, great. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's so great to have you. I usually just start off with the questions and we go right in. So what career did you want to do when you were in grade school, high school, and in college? Yeah. In in grade school, I definitely wanted to be an astronaut. Oh. I was just really into the sky. I was into the stars. I was into planets. I was just always like, and what is going on out there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and when I knew, when I found out people could go out there, then I was like, oh, I'm doing that. <laughs> and then um, in middle school, I think I wanted to be a professional dancer. Mm. I was in a dance troupe from the age of 12 until I was about 18. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. A dancer and a rapper, I think. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in high school... Oh, you know, it changed. I had a really, really bad college counselor and some pretty terrible teachers. And I was like, yeah, uh, this is what I'm going to need to do just because this can't go on like this. Like, yeah, I'll just be a teacher and a counselor. And so I went to college with the intention mm -hmm. of like becoming a teacher and then writing novels on the side. Like yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I still want to write novels. And I did spend a while as an English teacher. I was, um, English was my, I told the story of how I became a doula. And part of it was that I, I was born here, but I was raised in Panama and I was back and forth most of my life. And then I came back here for high school and they put me back a year. And I was like, I wanted to be an OBGYN and did horribly. And my sophomore year, my, my, math teacher was like, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be an OBGYN. And she's like, you'll never be an OBGYN. You're horrible in math. Yeah. All girls Catholic school. I love to say that because, you know, so I was like, okay. And I, English was my next favorite. I loved reading and writing. I, from when I was young, my grandmother was like my pen pal and we used to write all the time. And then my cousin. So I was like, I love English. Yeah. That's something I, I, I went to school for English too. I love it. 
Yeah. So, so you, you want to write novels, you said, what type of no- novel would you write? I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm working on four right now. I have several unfinished ones. <laughs> um, one of them that I'm writing is it's like a horror Ooh. novel, basically about Lake Lanier. I grew up in Atlanta. Uh huh. And there's a, a yes, man-made lake. I heard about that story that people disappeared in that lake. I was listening to another podcast. Every year. Every year someone disappears in the lake and they don't find... That is freaky. Yeah. It's just an eerie little lake. Uh-huh. And um, once I started really thinking about it, I started sort of reaching out to the land around there and being mm-hmm. like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And the stories that I got were so interesting that I was like, I think I'm supposed to tell the story. So I'm working on that uh, now and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but sometimes it scares me so much that yeah. I have to put it down for a little while. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine. I am not a horror fan, you know, at all, but I, I don't mind reading some of it. You know, that was one of my things. Yeah. I was like, I love horror, but horror movies, I'm the worst. Yeah. I love Tanana Reeve Do. Have you ever read her I book? I love her. Oh love my God. Her. I love, lo- I was going to say either her or, and I was going to ask you if you saw Lovecraft Country. Cause yeah. when you said, yeah. So I was like, that's what I got when you said you were writing a mystery kind of, mm-hmm. especially around that. That's great. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. Are you going to self publish or? Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll get across that bridge when we get there. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Sorry. I'm really just like, oh my God, there's a story coming through me and then I just go for it. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I have some good friends that are literary agents and I figured I'd just sit down and be like, How that's, do I that's do the best way to do it. If you have friends, they can give you the best advice. And that's really <laughs> what everyone does, right? It's like, I know someone who knows someone. It's great. <laughs> I'm also working on another, it's more like a series and I'm writing all three books at the same time. And it's basic, it's based on loosely on my life in my 20s mm-hmm. on how I First, how I sort of entered my old career of um, human trafficking eradication, like how I ended up doing that. Yeah. And then also kind of how I came into my intuitive power and sort of segue into the work that I do now. That is such a great segue because that is exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, what did you do before you did this work? So tell us a little bit about how you got into that because that's fascinating work. The first time I heard about human trafficking, I mean, of course, there were movies growing up. There was a lot of that. But I mean, the first time I heard about it, really, I remember it was um, Jada Pickett Smith was behind it. So the face behind that, that was, that was already years after the work had already been out there from other people. So how'd you get involved in that? Um, I first started, I guess, thinking about it uh, when I was about 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin got kidnapped and sold into prostitution. Oh my God. Um, just yeah. taken right off the front porch. Um, and the police were fabulously unhelpful mm-hmm. um everybody in the neighborhood knew the guy who did it he was sort of the neighborhood and like there were it should have been an open and shut situation and it wasn't you know and to this day we haven't recovered her oh but sorry. for many years we spent a lot of time just sort of going you know this was in the, the late 90s so it was 
really before commercial sex moved into online spaces mm-hmm. primarily. So um, we would just visit the various tracks around Atlanta and show her picture and be like, do you know this girl? Yeah. You know? Um, and I think up until that point, of course I knew prostitution existed, but it was more like I'd seen Pretty Woman and it yes. you know, like her. It was more voluntary. It. it was sex work. Yeah. 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 But at that point, I had not thought critically about the role it played in society. I hadn't thought about who benefits and who doesn't. I hadn't thought about the power dynamics or any of them. Um, and talking to, you know, all of the men and women and children and everyone involved in um, commercial sex in the Atlanta area, I just started learning so much, you know, and I just really kind of became obsessed with learning more about all the ways that humans can be commodified in the modern world, like, um, and also why, like, who wants to be able to control someone else's body? Like, mm-hmm. why do you want that? Why do you desire that over yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, and why are why are these societal sort of structures in place mm-hmm. to make sure that there are people who are desperate enough or in pain enough to be commodified? So. Um, I made a lot of friends, you know, doing that work, even after some of my other cousins gave up, even after the cops were like, she was moved over state lines, so we're not doing anything else about it. I still would kind of go out there and sometimes I would like fill a backpack with like granola bars and clean underwear and condoms and soap, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, just sit at a bus stop and just hand stuff out to whoever was working. And I also got to know a few people who were working in camps and just sort of their side of it, mm-hmm. um, which isn't cut and dried, you yeah. know? No. Like, it was just, all, I just learned so much. So um, I started volunteering with a few organizations. I moved to DC after college and realized that it was a completely different landscape there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the power dynamics mm-hmm. also very mm-hmm. different. Um, and then I sort of, from there, got really interested in the comfort women situation in Korea and Japan. Mm-hmm. I moved to Korea um, in 2006 and uh, really just started learning about not just that, but also bride trafficking, like how people get bought and sold into servile marriages. Yeah. Um, I started advising a few friends of mine who were working for the State Department about like the, the real dynamics, not like the party line they were, yes. they were kind of getting. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, you should be doing this work, you know, like you should be with us. We don't mm-hmm. anybody who really understands it. So I got a fellowship to join the State Department and mm-hmm. did my master's in public diplomacy with a focus on human trafficking here in L.A. Mm-hmm. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, I got kicked out of the State Department and um, just continued doing the work and was like, well, where do I go from here? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm not going to, you know, work with the State Department on this, like, what what do I really want to do with it? Um, and I got wonderful opportunities at USC to do all kinds of amazing research. Went and did a PhD in England at the Wilberforce uh, Institute for the Study of Slavery and Emancipation mm-hmm. under Kevin Bales, who was a fantastic advisor. And um, yeah, I did a 
PhD in human trafficking, did a lot of great research and just got to the point where I was just like, top of my game. This is exactly what I wanted for myself. And I feel like I'm dying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what, what about that feeling? What was it? I mean, I know because you're an intuitive and you do healing work, but going into that, did you have a sense of that's who you were or did it become stronger once you started doing this work? Because I know as a doula, you know, going to birth and absorbing all of that, it's the same after a while. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was little, I was really aware that I <clears throat> was aware of things that not everyone else was picking up on. And as I got older, I was aware that I was taking other people's emotions into my own body mm. and that it was confusing me. When I was in college, I was aware in my romantic relationships that I was feeling the thoughts, thinking the thoughts and feeling the emotions of my partners. And then that made me <laughs> really just like afraid to kind of get close to people for yeah. a while. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know, I didn't have a guide. I didn't have a teacher. I didn't even know how to put words to it or talk about it. Um, so I really just sort of like kind of pushed it away a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was here visiting one of my best friends and we did a meditation together. This must have been like 2017 or 2018. Okay. We did a meditation together and in it, I asked for all of the, how did I say it? All of the faucets of blessings that I had turned off. Mm -hmm. If I could turn them back on and, and receive, you know, what is what my birthright is. Yes. And I met a gentleman who um, introduced himself to me as my original ancestor in, in this meditation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he just taught me a whole bunch of things just in those few moments that we were sitting face to face. Like I just received all of this knowledge. And when I came out, I could just do things. <laughs> I could just do all this stuff. Like what? I could touch like this table that I'm sitting at. Um, and I would be able to know things, uh, experience things from the tree's life. I'd be able to know things about the last person that touched the table. When I would go stay in a hotel room, it would switch constantly between what I was seeing and what like other people who had stayed there were seeing and experiencing. Oh, amazing. Um, I could look at pictures and know things about the people I was looking at. I could eat food and know things about the person who prepared it. It was just really intense. I could heal myself. I healed myself instantaneously from grief when I found out someone that I had loved had passed. There was just all these things, but I didn't have any organization, I didn't have yeah. any training, and it was terrifying. And I ended up harming myself a little bit once. And I told my best friend, my other best friend, Tatiana, and she was like, Oh, I think you should talk to this lady. Um, so I got a session with this lady, Carrie Gonia. She's here in LA. Mm -hmm. And I did a, it's called family constellation therapy okay. with her. And she just oh, got me all organized. Uh -huh. basically. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, it was exactly how it sounds. My constellation, like the things that um, I'm attuned to were just a little bit out of order. Uh-huh. And once I got those things in the right order, then I was able to understand and feel more in balance and be clear about like how to utilize my powers in a way that was helpful both yeah. to me and to other people. 
And Carrie also kind of became a mentor to me, which is great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I have another friend named Julie Walker, who um, is an intuitive that I've been going to every year on my birthday for a few years already. Uh So once I told her, okay, now I'm doing this work, and she was like, oh, great. Here's some things you need to know. Like, (laughs) So you got some guidance to help you kind of put things in order so not be able to receive everything and then not know and hurt yourself by doing it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I learned yeah. how to be empowered by it instead of disempowered, like instead of being at the mercy of all of the information, you're things getting. that wanted mm-hmm. to tell stories through me. Mm-hmm. I started really just being in control of my own domain, you yeah. know, like yeah. just being like, no, this is mine. It, if I invite you in to talk to me, you can come in. Otherwise you may not trespass here. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, um, I forgot what they're called, but they're like an empath, but they're specific people who speak to specific people. I had gone to one with a friend once and. Like and a channel? A channel. Yes. He was a chat. It was a she, but she channeled this male and it was sitting in the room with people you'd never met and ha- to have someone tell someone's life story you just like, this is, it's just hard to imagine, like for an outsider to kind of be like, this is not true, you know, but I sat there and I was like, he told me things about my life and my past that he had no, no one, my best friend who was there with me didn't even know. So yeah, that's amazing to hear that you have that same gift and you can kind of control it, so to speak. Because in in a sense, the channeler is different because it's one person that's speaking to that particular person, this person that I had seen. But it sounds like you are open and receptive to a lot of people coming when you're ready to receive them. The really beautiful thing is that everyone with intuitive powers they show up differently for every person it's, mm-hmm. and they yeah. show up exactly how you're supposed to be, you yeah. know, and exactly what mission you came here to do. So, um, I do channeling work with all kinds of things, sometimes multiple entities at once, mm-hmm. which, um, is really lovely. One of the things that I'm able to do is work with, um, pregnant moms. Um, and, work with their own ancestors to help them prepare for what's going to happen in their postpartum phase mm-hmm. or what the birth is actually going to be like mm-hmm. and what to expect for every month during the pregnancy so that they can be really empowered and understanding what's happening with their bodies. Yeah. They'll know what questions to ask their care providers, you know? Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, uh, I'm able to do this really fun um, postnatal reading where mom is there and her ancestors, are, or yeah, and then baby's there mm-hmm. with their ancestors and one other person, a partner or a whoever, can be there with their ancestors. And um, we can just sort of address all of the traumas that took place during the birth Mm -hmm. and heal them so that the whole family unit can sort of move forward 
in health and it's just it I'm so blessed to be able to do this yeah. work. It's so much fun. It's yeah. so exciting. It's fascinating. I have a doula friend who um my I have a doula friend who's a Virgo and we have that kind of like I know things that I don't know how I know things sometimes, right? And that's that's a form of it, but I often like block it. When I was younger, people used to come up to me and start telling me their life story and I used to be like, What what's going on here? Like would you what what is it about me that you're coming to me and I don't want to know? Like and it was like really traumatic stuff and it was just like my mom was like, well, there's something about you that's calming and healing, right, to them. And I was like, yeah, but it has to stop because I would just be sitting on the train and someone would come sit next to me and start talking to me. And I'd be like, okay. And then I'd sit there and they just like unload and then leave. And I was just like, what? What is this? So she she tells the story of, of a client that she had where the baby wouldn't latch. And um, she went to the postpartum and she asked the mom about the birth and she put the baby skin to skin. And she was like, your baby needs to tell you something and you need to hear. And the baby just cried and cried and cried and spoke and cried and spoke and then latched. And... It had been days the baby wasn't able to latch. So, and I often tell people, babies have intuition. They come into this world with a knowing. You just have to listen. Just like they, they come into a world with this language, but it's not the way we hear words. So you just have to listen. And it, I'm just amazed at how many people, like I tell them all the time, talk to your baby, sing to your baby. Your baby doesn't know that you're not Barbara Streisand. Like they don't care. I got a good six years of singing before my son turned to me and was like, you sound awful. So I was like, Hey, I had a good run. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, so all that intuitiveness and to, so, cause this also ties into how, um, you know, the vaginal steaming and that birth work. So where did that intuition and that knowing come in for that? So I always had really bad periods, mm-hmm. like horror shows, you know. Um, they started at nine, mm-hmm. and they included, of course, like horrible cramps, extreme fatigue, enormous clots, mm-hmm. um, vomiting and diarrhea, mm-hmm. inability to eat, keep anything down, um, chills and sweats, <laughs> you know, like just... Mm. All of the things and the cramps weren't just, you know, in my pelvis. It was like every muscle from my ribs down to the soles of my feet would cramp. Like the backs of my knees would cramp, you know, like it was just, I couldn't walk. I couldn't really care for myself. Um, Migraine headaches, sensitivity to light, like hallucinations. Yeah. It was just so intense. Mm -hmm. And my mom had had similar periods and no one really helped her. She didn't really know how to help me except what she'd been told, which was plug it and drug it. Yeah. Which is not a solution. No. Right. Mm-mm. So um, it was just awful. And then my cousin, Kelly, Kelly Garza, a steamy chick that got, uh, had been researching sort of traditional Chinese medicine for about 10 years at that point and wanted to um, heal herself from an experience that she had a, a messed up experience she had uh, in a hospital. So she was just like, nah, y'all don't have answers for me. Y'all mm-hmm. are actually not helping me. I'm going to do this myself. There are all these countries around the world where women heal themselves that don't deal with doctors like you. So somebody has answers for me. I know she yes. went out. Um, 
and sort of started trying vaginal steaming. I think she learned it from the Mayan tradition first. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I had moved back to the States from living in Korea. I had been there for three years. Um, And, you know, everybody there steams. So I was steaming a few times a week. And it had drastically helped my periods. Um, And I hadn't, I didn't make the connection. I was just like, oh, we're all going to the Korean spa to steam. You know, like it was just something that I was used to doing. Mm-hmm. So um, Kelly got just sort of better and better at understanding how herbs were working and um, understanding women's cycles in general. And just was she was just becoming this fount of information on reproductive health. Uh-huh. And she was like, we're going to fix your periods. You're my next project. We're going to fix this. Okay. You know? And I just willingly became her guinea pig. And um, we worked out a couple of different protocols until we hit on something that that really had results. And it was so wonderful for me. Um, and of course I was just, my womb was full of everyone else's energy and yes. my own unresolved mm-hmm. trauma and my own, you know, issues, not understanding that I was taking on all this, this stuff, not only from like people around me, but from generations past. And once I started to understand the energetic sort of empathic intuitive side Mm -hmm. and I put it together with what Kelly had taught me about sort of the science of steaming then I was able to sort of develop um, a steaming service that was focused on people with sort of six senses and how those were causing imbalances Mm -hmm. in their physical bodies because they weren't properly being acknowledged by any other care providers so um I started there even before I sort of stepped into my intuitive power. Mm-hmm. I started there and it sort of developed as I went. Um, I discovered my ability to talk to people's internal organs uh, through my steaming clients. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes their livers would just be like, hey, will you add some liver tonic herbs into her steam? You know, or yeah. their kidneys would be like, She's not making enough blood for a good period. She's just not making enough blood, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, once I started being able to advise them on what their bodies wanted, then besides the steaming, I could give them protocols on just how to care for themselves, yeah. you know, Just every in day. general, yeah. Um, and then from there, I really moved into being able to see people's ancestors standing behind them. And also, so besides just their yeah. organs talking, there would be ancestors being like, also <laughs> let yeah. her know this yeah. or do this. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and uh, I had to sort of stop taking clients in my own home just because all of the things they were releasing really started to impact my own peace and the peace of my home. Yeah. So now I just, you know, talk to people on the phone, talk to their ancestors, talk to their bodies, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, let them know what it is that's sort of showing up in their reproductive systems, and then put together a protocol for how to heal it. So let's talk a little bit about the go back and talk about the history, right? So this is a history that has been around for years, Thousands. Thousands of years. And this is something that is relatively new to Western culture. Yeah. Right? Um, 
uh, Western, non-indigenous. Yes, not culture. not indigenous, but Western. Because I know I had I've gotten um, several several. Now they don't they don't like to call they are not called a Mayan abdominal massages anymore. Now they're called sobadas. Right. So I had originally gotten some Mayan abdominal work, and like you mentioned, a lot of that that intergenerational trauma that we hold in our bodies and then ancestors being around and being like, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And just also a knowing of like where we hold grief in our bodies. And so this is something that has been lost and now it's being reintroduced to, to society. And I've part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I heard you speak a few months back at another seminar and I cannot tell you the countless number of midwives that I know that tell women not to steam. And they're, they're, they don't, it's not with any kind of context. It's just like not, well, there's some context. Don't do it because it's dangerous. And, and I'm like, there's more to steaming than what you know. And I don't understand why people aren't going out and getting, especially midwives, getting that information to be able to advise women on how this is beneficial, because this is something that has been historic. It's been in history and it's been in our cultures for a long time. So I just want you to speak a little bit to like the history of like when you started steaming, like you mentioned, you were, you were in Korea and you started steaming a little bit. It was just like, this is just a thing that we did, but there was no, it just felt good to your body and it was done. How did they steam? Let's start, start there. Like, yeah. Um, so at the Korean spas I go to when I lived there, there was just a, a little room that would have these really cute little chairs mm-hmm. and there were, you know, aunties around and they just have like these bowls full of herbs and they just say, come in, sit right there. And they put the herbs under and they would, you know, adjust the heat and ask you like, is it okay? And if it was too hot, they turn it down, whatever. And, um, those ones were like 40 minutes. It was like a 40 minute treatment, okay. which I've since learned is too long for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. for my own body, but that is great, you know, for some people's bodies. Yeah. So um, there are also traditions where you stand, like there's seating, sitting isn't even part of it. Okay. You stand over a bowl mm-hmm. in like a long dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it's done. There are some people who kneel, you know, over the pot or the bowl and wrap themselves in ceremonial cloth. Like there's so many ways that it's done in all these cultures around the world. But here in the States and the ways that it's been introduced is primarily thanks to populations that really have not, have been kept away from accessing the healthcare that we provide here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So thank goodness to them for needing to take care of themselves and keeping real healing alive. Um, I remember as a a young girl living in the Gullah Islands, hearing some grownups talk about using steam to help a girl who I think was like 13 and had been impregnated by her uncle. Mm. And, and one of the women saying, Oh, well, you can use steam to sort of end the pregnancy safely. And that was the, you know, like, an, and I didn't even access that memory until yeah. some years ago. And I was like, Oh, I had heard it, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so young from a, in a, a rural setting, you know, but I think the important thing to remember is that 
it really exists in women's wisdom everywhere. Yeah. Like there is old, old thousands years old, hundreds years old records of it being used in Scandinavia, in England, in Central Europe, in Southern Europe, in North Africa, and Sub-Saharan Africa, um, all across Asia, in South Asia, in Northeast Asia, like all across Asia, yeah. all across the Americas, Central America, South America, the Caribbean islands, and North America. You know, like yeah. it's really women, women taking care of themselves. And here in the United States, when it began to disappear, coincides, when midwifery started to be outlawed and the health Mm -hmm. of women, particularly around childbirth was taken away from women and put in the hands of men. And once that happened, then we were sort of systematically cut off from our own bodies and from our own wisdom. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's an imbalance and balances never last. So it was going to end at some point. Exactly. Not now. (laughs) So then who, how early can you start steaming? Yeah, so below the age of 13, you can steam. Um, of course, children can get yeast infections. Mm-hmm. Children can get, you know, injuries to their vulvas, yeah. like injuries to their pelvis anywhere. Um, they can get bumps. They can get cysts. So it's okay to steam a child younger than 13, but not longer than 10 minutes. Okay. And not with very warm steam. I would go ahead and unplug the heating element okay. or remove the pot or bowl from the heating element before mm-hmm. steaming a child. And then, so what are some of the benefits of steaming? I know you mentioned menstrual and um, helping with with um, really severe menstrual cramps and PMS syndromes. What other benefits are there too? Yeah, so the way that it's primarily used around the world is for postpartum care. Okay. There are some places where it's only used for postpartum care. They really don't use it for anything else. Okay. Um, But after, and Kelly and I and Kimberly Johnson, who has a fantastic podcast, and Raquel Lemos, um, my friend who I said is a a midwife, Mm -hmm. is going to work with us, um, and who all three of these have been on my podcast. we worked together on a study um, on the impact of vaginal steaming on postpartum mm-hmm. recovery, which was so much fun. Those women are brilliant. And um, it helps with everything from helping the uterus to shrink back to its normal size and move back down below the pelvic bone mm-hmm. to postpartum cramping, to keeping the stitches clean and comfortable, to healing tears to making sure that prolapse doesn't happen, uh, to um, keeping your blood pressure stable, keeping your pulse stable, um, to, I mean, it's, there's in the study, it's called the postpartum, I'm sorry, it's called the fourth trimester vaginal steam study. And that's the website too. Okay. Fourth trimester vaginal steam study.com. Um, it just goes through all of the different things that it helps. Yeah. Um, so besides postpartum care, it also can be used for labor prep. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you only work with a certified professional vaginal steam practitioner. Not YouTube University, this. like most yeah. people find their things, right? Yeah. 
um, but it helps with elasticity mm-hmm. of both the vulva, the vaginal canal, and the cervix. Um, it also sort of helps to have a, a slippery baby, you yes. know, like it helps bring the baby <laughs> my, down. When down. I was younger, my mother, my grandmother used to say, you eat a lot of okra, the baby will slide right out. <laughs> I loved okra, That's a but good yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> But, and yeah. then besides postpartum care, it also helps with really almost any kind of reproductive imbalance, fibroids, missing periods, run-on periods, um, cycles that are too short, cycles that are too long. It helps with um, cysts, with polyps, with um, vaginismus, mm-hmm. with... Um, I mean, rebalancing the hormones so that you don't sort of have that emotional roller coaster yeah. around ovulation or around uh, in your premenstrual time. It helps with spotting and ovulation. It helps with getting old stuff out. It uh, clears up BV yeast infections. It just, I mean, it, any kind Anything. of imbalance, it really helps so much with. So it sounds like too, because you mentioned too, that you should definitely work with a practitioner, right? And that also the, the benefits, the benefits are universal in the sense that it, it can help with a lot of things, but also the treatment is specific, should be specific to the person that is using it as opposed to like going to a spa, for example, and they're like, everyone sits, you know, I watch, I, I think I watched the episode of the housewives or basketball wives, one of them, and they just went, everybody went and steamed their vaginas and they sat there for, and I was just like, you know, this, this is a, that was a missing moment where they should have, they could have done this better as opposed to thinking like everyone just gets together in a room and sits. So it's, it's, it should be specifically for, through a practitioner and for, so someone who has taken a history of you for whatever is going on and not a general, I'm at a spa and I'm going to get a massage. So I might as well get a steam. More yeah. Nice. And yeah. to be fair, there are certified practitioners who work in spas and who have, you know, yeah. an, an intake form. So you can, like there are spas you can go to to get really great personalized steam care. Um, I also have done, and I don't really like to do these, but I've done them before as sort of a, group steam yeah and um if there isn't time to sit with each person if i'm not able to send them the form ahead of time Mm -hmm. and get some feedback then i just use sort of universal herbs that are really they don't harm anybody a little bit of peppermint a little bit of chamomile you know roses something that's really gentle for everyone Mm -hmm. and neutral um and I just keep a very low steam and we don't exceed 10 minutes just in case. So it sounds like what is, so the steaming, the amount of time that you steam is definitely more for the person and what their issues are. You mentioned for you, you can only do 10 minutes. And I know that, um, uh, one of the talks that I watched you on, you said that as well for, um, that initially that there's different types of herbs for different types of um, 
concerns in your body. And then based off of that, it should only be no, like 10 minutes. If you're looking, if you're specifically looking for, can you explain a little bit? Of course. So for example, those of us who have what we call sensitivities, uh, compounded sensitivities Mm -hmm. are really only supposed to be for 10 minutes. And those sensitivities include heat sensitivities. Like if we have excess heat in the body already, Mm -hmm. then we don't want to use therapies too much that warm us up further. But we can use them for a short time just to get our pelvis sweating and those toxins coming out. Um, If you don't have excess heat in your body, Sure, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes for, you know, more extreme issues. Go for it. Um, also, if you have short cycles, those are cycles that are shorter than 28 days. Mm-hmm. So 27 days or fewer, then you really shouldn't stay longer than 10 minutes because your womb is already exhausted. Yeah, It's too tired to hold herself together, yeah. you know, for 28 days. So you don't want to wear her out even more, yeah. you know. So. Uh, 10 minutes is plenty for people with that imbalance. Um, but for people, on the other hand, who have no excess heat in their bodies and their cycles go really long, maybe they haven't had a period in three months. Maybe their cycles are 40 days, 50 days long. Yeah. You know? Then they need a little more sweat. Like that means they have extreme stagnation issues mm-hmm. and or they have what's called... Um, blood deficiency their kidneys just aren't producing enough blood to give you a proper period mm-hmm. um so in order to have a, a proper period the kidneys have to produce 50 percent more blood which yeah. is just a lot of blood yeah. and if your kidneys are deficient in any way they're not going to try to wear you out further okay. by you know like cutting skimping anywhere else to try and make more blood they're just going to try to keep you safe by skipping a period the unfortunate thing, though, is that means your womb doesn't get cleaned out. So now you have some old, months-old menses yes. sitting in there that actually ends up starting to decompose. And bacteria can be attracted to it. You can end up with BB, you know, cysts or whatever. So, um, you know, steaming just helps with certain herbs. Steaming can help to nourish those kidneys, restore proper function to them so that they can start feeling full and happy and luxurious enough to make all of the fluids that your body needs, including enough for a a healthy, efficient period. So it just, you know, like everyone needs something different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just finding out what those needs are. And there's not a general panacea that everyone gets this herb, not an Oprah of herbs. You get an herb and you get an herb. Like (laughs) everyone has to be. There is an herb for everyone. To be clear, like there is something out there for you, you know, if you're like, I'm experiencing something. I can't find anything about it on WebMD. I don't know if anyone else is experiencing. My doctor told me I'm imagining it or that it's normal or that it's fine. Um, talk to a steam practitioner, especially one of the steamy chick ones. Yeah. And we'll be able to tell you what you need. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all of that wisdom. Um, and I have one more question. So we did mention that it, it, it helps for birth does it also it also helps with infertility i think you had mentioned that as well absolutely thank you for bringing that up so um one of the things that i experienced is when i was starting college actually maybe at the end of high school i started using birth control just because my periods were so out of hand Mm -hmm. and my period stopped 
I think maybe for six years, I didn't have a period, which means that I had tons of <laughs> backed up old, you yeah. know, um, uterine lining mm-hmm. just sitting in there causing all kinds of problems. Um, and that is one thing that we don't really consider when we, my generation at least was really encouraged to use birth control to sort of eliminate periods, to be more comfortable, to be better, more productive workers, yeah. <laughs> you know, to yeah. be more available for sex. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of reasons that mm-hmm. it sort of foisted upon us. Um, and also my generation seems like we're all, you know, like a lot of us are dealing with infertility issues and turning to IVF. So there are just simpler, more natural ways to clear all of that stuff out, to rebalance the body and to prepare the womb you know, to feel strong enough on her own and clear enough on her own to welcome a whole baby inside of there. Yeah. yeah. You know, because she has to be cared for. Like, we can't just be like, I told you to do this and now I'm telling you to do that. Like, yeah. she's going to serve us, but we have to also take care of her, like any relationship. Yeah, that's true. That's great. I, that's really good to know that, that, um, those are available options. I have a friend that I recommended to you recently. Um, I, I'm going to follow up with her to see. Um, she has uh, fibroids and she's young and she has not had any children and she's trying. Um, so it's like, you definitely have to see her. So yeah. yeah. And there are lots of reasons for infertility. I mean, sometimes it's because there's scar tissue maybe around one or both of the ovaries yeah. due to cyst mm-hmm. bursting. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's scar tissue in the fallopian tubes. Um, sometimes it's it, um, adrenal imbalances. Yeah. You know, and herbs can help to rebalance your adrenals. There are herbs that can help calm your nervous system. Like, there are lots of reasons why the woman would be like, we're not ready for a baby, you know? Yeah. So, it's not just, you know, like that. I want to be clear that there isn't just one way. No, definitely. Yeah. Reason, but steaming can help. Steaming will help. Yeah. That's great. That is wonderful. The next segment that I, I go into is like my daily inspiration that I like. Uh, um, I am a quote girl and I love quotes, but I also like to, you know, get inspired by other people. What's your favorite scent? My favorite scent is a mixture of lavender and amber. That's interesting. I've never mixed those two. That's that's a good scent. I'll have to try that one. What's a book, film, show, or podcast that's inspiring you right now? Okay, so my friend, Noni Lamar, who is so fantastic, uh-huh. um, she actually is the first one who told me I was a healer some years ago. She was just like, well, you're a healer, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Why would you say that? Mm-hmm. I'm a healer. And she was like, because sick people love you. <laughs> and I was like, that's true. That's true, right? Um, Noni Lamar has a podcast called All Heart Podcast. All Heart? All Heart. Okay. It is so good. Okay. So good. I'll have to check that one out. I love new podcasts. I'm like, I have about 50 <laughs> right now every time I hear a new one I'm like let me check it out that's great and what's a quote that inspires you yeah there's a quote by the whole law that goes dost thou consider thyself a puny form when within thee the universe is holy Mm. 
is such a good question. Yeah. Like, am I really understanding my, am I giving myself credit? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, part of the quote, one of the quotes that I love is, although it's, it's, it was, um, Nelson Mandela's speech, come to find out Marianne Wilson, Williamson wrote part of it. And it, and it's about, um, you know, us playing small. We serve no one when we play small. I'm ad-libbing. I can't remember it right now, but, um, yeah. And, and it's about, we should play big all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. One of the wonderful things I learned from Julie Walker, one of my mentors, um, is that sort of one of the bases for addiction or the place where addiction starts is a, a, the, a, a preconception or a misunderstanding about space and time. Mm. We either feel like we have too much space or too little space. Yeah. Or too much time or too little time. Yeah. And we misperceive due to that that there is a void somewhere. And then we start to throw things into that void, which actually creates a void. And that's how addiction works. And just this idea that we can either feel too big or too little. Yeah. Um, one of the things that that quote I just said lets me do is I, like I said when I was at, at the, at your first question, that I just was so in love with thinking about the universe and what all is out there. Yeah. Because it allowed me to feel so little and so humble. But sometimes that's not the medicine I need. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I need to go microscopic into all of the worlds that exist inside of me. Yeah. And be like, whoa, like I'm so big. And, Sometimes we need one medicine or the other, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's wonderful. It's so funny that you're ta- you were speaking just now, and I was just like, before I was listening to a podcast before on my way here, and this concept of time and space came up in the same aspect in the way that you're just describing it. And like, there are no accidents. I believe in signs like that. There are no accidents because you're speaking on something that was speaking to me earlier, kind of just to remind me that, you know, it, there is enough time. There's enough space. There's enough money. There's enough, like, there's no, we all can thrive in this world. There's enough for all of us. Yeah, that's what that reminds me of. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I know the next segment that I usually go into talks about birth stories, and you don't have one yet, but you will have to come back when you do. But I, I want to know if you know the story of how you were born. I was just going to say, I'm happy to share the story of my own birth yeah. instead. If yeah, you like. definitely. So one of the things that I, when I first came into my power, I really enjoyed doing was um, past life regression meditation mm. to revisit my own birth mm. to try and figure out why I am the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell you what I've seen in those many trips. And one of the things is that I started even before I had finished forming, um, sort of sucking the fear out of my mother and holding it in my own body and sucking grief out of my father and holding it in in my body in an attempt to heal them and in an attempt to sort of do good for them. Um, And that was wrong. Like, yeah, (laughs) this is a recurring theme, overachieving and hoping Mm -hmm. that I'll get more love. (laughs) Um, And what ended up happening 
is I overworked my little forming body mm-hmm. and it responded by hyperproducing mucus. Mm-hmm. And even though I noticed it happening, I was like, it's okay. Some of the lessons I've received in here through the DNA that has been gifted to me by every mitochondrial, you know, ancestor that's come before me is that in the beginning there was this primordial slime and that's how the earth was formed and each of us in the womb, you know, has access to this primordial slime and throughout our, our lives, we have it too in the form of mucus and that this mucus, our mucus membrane protects us and sends us love letters to let us know what's going on on the inside. They're like, check out this color and take the medicine, you know, yeah. or check out this texture and, you know, get some exercise. So I was just like, cool, I'll just use it to build a new world. <laughs> Which is also, you know, thinking I know more than people who've come before me. Mm-hmm. So uh, lack of humility, I should call it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I came out just completely covered in mucus and full of mucus and I couldn't breathe for longer than anybody was comfortable with. Mm. So they had to suck all that stuff out and then I went ahead and failed all the little newborn tests like it was just a whole mess. And it was just really terrifying for both of my parents and it was terrifying for the doctors and nurses um, which I thought was my fault. So I busied myself sucking all of their fear mm-hmm, into my mm-hmm. body and producing more mucus right away. And it just this vicious cycle. So um, I learned from that um, also that I feel like I need someone else to take a step first before I'm allowed to do anything. Mm-hmm. Needing someone to clear everything out so that I could breathe. And breathing mm-hmm. is really our contract, right? Yeah. With the universe around fulfilling our mission here in this physical realm. Every time we take it another breath, we're agreeing, I'm going to stay here yeah. and do what I came here to do. So just being slow to jump at things that are, that involve my own mission and mm-hmm. approaching my own mission, feeling like I need someone else to tell me I can do it first before doing it. Um, and it also sort of like for quite a long time made me think I had to stay with my parents. And I really just was resistant to letting them protect me and care for me. Mm -hmm. I was always thinking I was supposed to protect and care for them. So I just learned so many things. Every time I go back and look at it and re-experience it, I'm just like, oh my God, this is why I'm so crazy. (laughs) No. (laughs) Here's something to heal. Here's something to heal. Have you imagined or have you gotten a message? And you don't have to share. I just want to know yes or no. Um, on how your baby's birth will be? Like, how do you envision it? Have you gotten those messages? I have been discouraged from visiting it. Okay. Yeah. Good. good. Um, for these same reasons I just said, I yeah. just like getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I've been instructed to do is really focus on healing myself now so that I can be healthy enough to carry a pregnancy. Okay. Like, that's sort of first. Yeah. Respecting the physical realm, respecting my body, my physical body, and spending time with it and listening to it when it asks me for things. I'm so good at helping other people with this and not so great at helping myself. Wonderful. Yeah, that that is that is that is a good 
That is a good place, a good starting place, right? Because we too tend to put the cart before the horse, right? And, and, and just say, well, I see and envision all of these things. Even, you know, sometimes in asking my clients, that's a good reminder of people who are, are either newly pregnant of just like, just being here as opposed to projecting into how you want to see things. And we'll get to that later on. Not right now. I have been told, um, that, excuse my husband. No, no worries. <laughs> I have been told um, that I should do it at home. And that no matter what, in all of the sort of like fan of possibilities, all of the things that could possibly happen, there really is no way that I'd have anything but a majestic birth. Yeah. So I just, you know, oh, trust in that. Yeah. See how it happens. I can't wait to hear all about it. I'm definitely going to keep in touch. But thank you so much for sharing. That was amazing. It was really great speaking with you. I, I I got so many gems. I just can't wait to share this episode. Like, it's fascinating. And then I will also be calling you afterwards because some other things that you brought up and mentioned. I had... um purchase some of your herbs for steaming, but now I'm like, oh no, I need to speak with you more. <laughs> definitely. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this no, has been definitely. such a fun conversation. Oh, All your glad. questions are so great. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, being a, a, a new podcaster, I'm like always like, I want to get it right and just have things that are engaging because I, I love speaking to people and getting to know people. Like that was one of the things that I often said when I was younger, all of my my report cards. I saw all of my old report cards and I remember every single last one said, Annette talks too much in class. <laughs> and I was like, my mom was always like, why are you talking? I was like, so they don't get in trouble. Like I'm telling them to be quiet. Like I just love talking. I was always the one who was talking. So this came kind of naturally to me. Yeah. yeah. You're really good at it. Oh, Keep thank it you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Those teachers don't this, know. It, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew that a long time ago. They don't know. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Gracias. Thanks for listening to the Clear Birth Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me on Instagram at the Clear Birth Podcast. If you want to send me an email, you can reach me at theclearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Adios. Hasta luego. Goodbye. Until next time.